Hello, and welcome to On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Karen Livingston, editor of Air Cargo World. In the most recent issue of Air Cargo World for December 2020 and January 2021, we named our Air Cargo Executive of the Year and three executives to watch for 2021. We are pleased to name Eddie Liu, Vice President of Cargo at China Airlines, as 2020's Executive of the Year. He spoke with Air Cargo World Associate Editor Jeff Lee for our most recent cover story. Sections of that interview are excerpted in this episode. Now the first important thing is that we have to fully utilize the freighter to the utmost. At this moment, our utilization rates are more than 15 hours. Consists mm. of consists of uh, around sixty to seventy intra-Asia flights and forty-eight long-haul flights. Mm. So you know it's more complicated because we have a combination of uh, numerous of uh, intra-Asia flights with the forty-eight long-haul flights. So the ratio of utilization up to fifteen hours is quite is quite challenging. I, I believe yeah. you can imagine how hard it is, right? Mm. But yeah. still. Still, even though we fully utilize the freighter, the space is not uh, enough to satisfy the, the demand from customer. Mm-hmm. So step by step, step, step by step, we further increase the passenger belly capacity into Asia and to Los Angeles and to Oceania area, mm-hmm. like Zenith, uh, and Oakland. So, for instance, before the pandemic, we are operating twice daily to Los Angeles, but nowadays we are operating six flights a day. So that's uh, 28 flights more yeah. per week. And to Oceana and uh, including Oakland and Sydney, like uh, in the past, uh, uh, during low season, we operate seven to ten flights. And peak season, we operate twice daily. But nowadays, we operate up to 18 to 21 flights to Sydney. Mm. So that's uh, for China Island, that's a tremendous increase of capacity on the long haul flight to USA and Oceania and to Amsterdam as well. If we go back to sort of March, around March, how did you know that um, you would need to do something different? And when did you realize that? Well, you know, the market fluctuation uh, very much, particularly in the early January and February. Mm-hmm. When the pandemic happened uh, for both passenger and uh, market was down in February, right? Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, the market demand the market demand gradually picking up, particularly out of mainland China. Mm-hmm. So at that time, we have sensed the urgent demand of the of the of the cargo, particularly from mainland China. That's uh, approximately in the end of March. So at that time, we have sensed that's the, our opportunity, and mm-hmm. we start to put full scale of flight schedule into mainland China, starting from March. In the past, we don't really 100% put full scale, but starting mm-hmm. from March, we put a full scale, uh, schedule into Chongqing, Guangdong, 
Nanking, Zhenzhou, Xiamen, and Pudong, etc. And uh, you know, uh, there was the very surging demand of the PPE and related yeah. material starting from April until the peak in May. Yeah. We are lucky we have a secure the opportunity to secure a lot of the business and charter out of mainland China. That's why we make a historic a new record a revenue yeah. in in May. That's the story. But at that time, we also had very challenging quarantine requirement by the CDC that has really restricted the, the crew dispatch. Yeah. So at that time, to overcome the challenge, we have to simplify our freighter schedule. Like to, to Europe, we used to fly to Amsterdam, Frankfurt, and Luxembourg in order to simplify the freight schedule for smooth crew dispatch. We suspend Amsterdam and Frankfurt and also Bombay freight service until now. And for the Pacific market, that's our niche market, uh, we suspend Miami and Houston and put more resource on Los Angeles and Chicago to put over, over there as a whole. That will be more convenient and efficient for the crew dispatch. Mm -hmm. But now, uh, now Miami has been uh, resumed already. But after the new triple seven uh, introduced early next year, we will step by step to resume the service in these cities. You've obviously also been uh, operating many of the passenger 777s and A350s and A330s um, without passengers just carrying cargo. Yeah. Um, how do you plan these these flights? Well, like uh, like I just mentioned, we have a fully utilized the freight yeah. already. Still, it, it, it depends on the customer needs. But since since we uh, were operating a scheduled flight to Los Angeles, and we have a more demand to Los Angeles. So we deployed the triple seven on West Coast to Los Angeles. So in the meantime, in the meantime, we switch some of the freight schedule to Los Angeles and switch from Los Angeles to Chicago and increase the capacity and frequency of Los Angeles to meet the customer demand. Mm -hmm. That's how we plan. Air Cargo World editors also spoke with two of our executives to watch for 2021, Dorotea von Boxberg, Chief Commercial Officer with Lufthansa Cargo, and Ingva Rood, Executive Vice President for Air Logistics with Kuna Nagel. Von Boxberg also recently spoke at CargoFax Symposium, hosted by our sister publication, CargoFax. In both discussions, Air Cargo World senior editor Charles Kaufman and Von Boxberg discussed when passenger freighter operations made sense for Lufthansa Cargo and why the carrier operated fewer of such flights than many other combination carriers. Uh, Tayet, now, if, if I recall Lufthansa Cargo's um, passenger freighter operations, um, you know, it was more, more, more short-lived. So, could you speak a bit to um, to Lufthansa Cargo's experience um, and perhaps why why these operations were were wound down? 
Yeah, I think uh, passenger aircrafts uh, differ a lot in their ability to carry cargo. And I think uh, one aircraft that really, really works very well is a 777-300. And any carrier operating 777-300, I think, is a lot more likely to fly passenger-only aircraft for a longer time. The economics are just much better than other aircraft. And in our case, uh, Lufthansa doesn't have any 777-300 in their fleet, so we were flying with A330. And it works at a certain kind of yield level, but it's a lot less effective than some of the other aircraft. So, for example, in the lower deck, um, the uh, 777-300 can take uh, almost three quarters more um, more freight, more volume than uh, an A330 could. And, and that just shows how the economics uh, are not as good uh, for some of the other aircraft. And that's why for us it worked well in the very high demand uh, season when everybody was yelling for capacity to get PPE and other protective material out of uh, China especially. Uh, but it didn't really work out for us uh, for a long term. We are flying some passenger aircraft, uh, some cargo, uh, some passenger aircraft as cargo only, but it's kind of few. It's not a regular schedule as, uh, as for example, American has. And has Lufthansa also, um, you know, re- relied on, on, on cargo on, on some routes to, to seed? Uh, Definitely. So, so I think the uh, description on how suddenly uh, cargo is not this teeny weeny little add-on, but uh, becomes somebody important in the group. I think that's uh, also happened for Lufthansa, no doubt. Uh, I mean, network planning uh, on the passenger side was never looking much at cargo, and now we can be decisive on some routes depending on what the revenues are that we bring. Um, we also have had a lot of discussions on which aircraft type should be used for that particular route, which day of week is uh, suiting uh, us best to, to make the best revenue. So there's a completely different way of collaborating uh, with passenger airlines uh, than it was in the past, no doubt. Torte, would you, is there anything you would, you would like to add on, on that front from, from your experience uh, managing capacity across the freighter fleet and, and passenger network of Lufthansa? Well, I think uh, everybody who's got a freighter these days is really happy about it. And we see a lot of old tech uh, freighters also in the air. So it's not only the brand new models, but yields are really high, high enough to, to see kind of any freighter that can, that can still fly up in the air. And uh, on the passenger freighter side, um, well, you kind of try to match those economics. And I think there have been lots of solutions of taking out, <clears throat> sorry, uh, seats, uh, uh, taking, uh, finding solutions for putting uh, shipments into the bin, etc. But it's really a bit handicapped if you want. Yeah, you don't have a proper car- cargo loading door. You need things that you can carry in. It's a lot higher handling effort and so on. And I, I think depending on uh, the customers you have on the specific cargo you find, um, a cargo-only aircraft can make a lot of sense and also carry a lot of uh, freight. But um, in some cases, you can basically just use the, the, the belly part of it. Uh, and then it depends how big is it, uh, do the economics work to, to really fly them. Ingvar Rood of Kunen Nagel was the freight forwarder representative among this year's executives to watch. I spoke with him about what 2020 was like from a forwarder's perspective and the internal and external adaptations Kunen Nagel pursued to maintain the course on its five-year plan, which runs through 2022. This year has been 
very unusual and very difficult for for people and for companies around the world. So uh, what strategies have you found successful in, in guiding the Air Logistics Division through these challenges, and how do how do the air logistics operations align with the strategies in the larger Kunanagal organization? Yeah. So if I, if I start with the, the, the last question. So in 2020, uh, 2017, we created the five-year plan, a five-year strategy, which was for, for the total company. It was aligned between all the business units. It was... Uh, centered around three main topics. It was about customer, people, and technology. The plan was made, uh, the execution started, and uh, the strategy has, uh, has a clear timeline until end of 2022. So when 2020 became evident and that we would have a completely different year, we took, I think we took a couple of very important decisions. And, and one of the decisions we took, uh, which has been key for our success, is that we did not change our strategy. We were loyal, we were true to our strategy. We believed in what we had planned, what we had been executing the last few years, what is, what was the correct one. Uh, we, took the decision to accelerate certain aspects of the, of the strategy. For example, everything that has to do with customer, we, we became extremely customer-centric. So that is something that everybody says we are customer-centric, and mm-hmm. what does that actually mean? Uh, we, we had a clear plan and understanding that we would over-communicate with our customers. We should try to understand that they were in a as difficult situation as we were today. We wanted to go in there as a true partner and with a solution-minded attitude and try to create whatever, however possible a win-win situation. This was highly appreciated by our customers and we have got extreme good feedback over the last three to six months on that. When it comes to the people, I think we were very clear. Uh, for us was safety and well-being in the forefront on every discussion, every communication we had. Uh, we needed to create and enhance internal communication uh, we know that, of course, close to 90% of our people suddenly over the weekend had to had to work from home, which is then from a from a technology point of view could have been extremely challenging. But since the technology is also one of the key cornerstone of the strategy, we have been investing long into how to have as robust technology that uh, is globally uh, sustainable. And we were able to move as a company of 40,000 people to work from home almost over the weekend. And, 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 and with this backbone of our strategy secured, that we were comfortable, that we were, we were 
we we didn't doubt that what we had put in place was the right thing to do. We could focus on one of the major or maybe the, the, the biggest change we made that was on decision making. So from a air logistics point of view, from my division, I was putting together a small little team, handful of people, globally situated with 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 major responsibilities, and we had a daily call where we discussed more operational and tactical uh, situation, not on the strategy, but on technical technical situation, where we said this is what we would need to do on a weekly basis, and and as you have experienced yourself, things changed rapidly. Uh, one week we needed to adjust what we agreed on last week. And we communicated that on a daily basis into the organization and then we empowered extremely locally on how to execute the direction that we had uh, decided. And with this global steering directional uh, which could change and the empowerment locally I think that was the, the major change and the major uh, um, major differences from what we have normally done and it just regarding just, oh, yeah, sorry, just just one more thing which I think is a bit important is that we uh, we actually accelerated some of our initiatives in our five-year plan, because we saw the when we kept when we made sure that people felt safe, that they felt that we were in control, as in control as you can be in a situation like that. The the fear, the the resistance or change actually was going away, because there was such a big change people understood that we actually were able to cope with the change. And then we, after a few months, accelerated some of the changes that we were planned to do later into the plan because we saw an opportunity and we saw the willingness for people to take on board the changes, even though they were in a quite stressful situation. And, and we have seen that and we carried that forward now as well, that, that the the change management and how we were able to change the communication, the, the information flow, both to the people and the customer, has given us a, an, a different environment to execute the plan. The full story is profiling this year's Air Cargo Executive of the Year and 2021's Executive to Watch are now available in the December-January digital issue of Air Cargo World and his web posts on aircargoworld.com. That's all for this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. Thank you to this year's selected executives, and thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Download and listen to this podcast and other episodes at aircargoworld.com and on iTunes or Spotify. Spotify.